Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. Hey, loyal listeners. I'll be hosting this episode myself. I've been involved in software development for more than 25 years. I've started companies, led companies, and worked for companies, doing many different things. I'm honored to be considered a leader in Alberta's innovation ecosystem, and I give back as much and as often as I can. When I'm not working or podcasting, you'll find me pursuing my passions of photography, crypto investing, and woodworking, along with the occasional round of golf. I always enjoy talking to Shannon Phillips, and this is no exception. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast for Rainforest Alberta. Today, I've got a special guest, uh, Shannon Phillips from Unbonded Thinking. Now, you may have heard that name before because Shannon has been on two previous episodes of this this podcast in 161 and 181, which I'll link to in the show notes. And uh, Shannon and his colleague Tristan Ham also have their own podcast. Shannon, what what have you been up to? What's new? You know what, Al? How how, how are you, Al? I'll start I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thank you. <laughs> I, as you said that, I felt kind of selfish. Like, oh, really? I've got I got this is my third time. Uh, <laughs> I feel bad. No, no way. Been uh, been up to lots, and thanks for for plugging our show and anyone who who's uh, looking into that. It's innovation forecasting with unbounded thinking and that all really spawned from talking with you al is about a about a year ago today so thank you for for those discussions because without you we wouldn't have our own show there's a good plug for you <laughs> yeah it's uh it, it's it's a good show too it's actually i've, I've been on it <laughs> yeah we had, a, we had a lot of fun <laughs> we're at we're at part one with you we're going to book you in for part two because you know for everybody listening who hasn't you know tuned into the show it's all about this idea of thinking towards the future for for certain in- industries and and then you know backcasting so to speak right like okay let's talk about the future but now that we've had that fun time what are we actually going to do differently you know now that we're now that we're thinking about it so we're at part 1 with you and we're excited to to book you in for part 2 to explore the <laughs> the, the the future of what we're talking about absolutely yeah but uh, you know, you've you and uh, Tristan have been doing some really really cool things in the ecosystem. You had a a a, a great uh, hacking the hairball or something. What was it that you did with uh, Inception? U? that was very cool. Uh, I'm unfortunately I ended up having to miss it, which I'm still tearful over. But uh, tell us a little bit about some of the things you've been doing. Yeah, that was a fun one. That was with Inception. U. you've got a very close, you know, connection with, with the team at Inception U. I, I love everyone over there. And that was a, a fun way of looking at, you know, problem solving. And then we wanted to tackle something that we thought was quite complex, right? Which is, you know, our return to work, what does hybrid work mean and all that kind of stuff. So we're applying a, you know, what we call kind of a, a thinkathon, hackathon kind of style approach where we bring different diverse thinking groups together and, and really tackle the, those complex problems because, yeah, I don't think we're doing enough of it when it comes to complex problem solving. I mean, we have hackathons and, you know, we approach 
problem solving in our own certain ways, whether we're a startup or a large company. But yeah, we thought it'd be cool to, to really take a different approach, you know, to, to really look at these unsolvable problems, right, that we can't get our, wrap our heads around and, and do it in a fun way. So yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was one thing that we did. That was a couple of months ago now. But really, you know, Al, it's, it's been interesting that the big buzz of, of innovation in, in Calgary and, you know, Edmonton and Alberta, it's Canada-wide, you know, right? But this idea of, you know, really digging into what innovation is, because I know that, you know, and this would be a great discussion for you and I to have, but the you know, what is innovation? And I know we love saying it when we talk about what it is or how do we actually approach it. It's a trickier thing to answer, right? And, you know, I think of that in terms of the growth cycle of a business. So whenever, you know, we're in a startup, we think everything is innovative because, right, everything is, is new, right? Everything is shiny and, yeah. you know, what, what we do is innovative here and what we do is there. We just think innovation is the world that we live in. But, you know, and you look on that growth cycle, once, you, once the company starts to grow, right, we start to bring on more people. We start to you know, develop processes and, and, and procedures. We start to standardize things because we want to lower the risk and not to kind of bore everyone. But as we, you know, as we move through that growth cycle, the complexity naturally uh, grows. Right. And when you, when you talk about innovation within these larger complex systems, which are what we call, you know, an organization, innovation is totally different. Right. Now it becomes an idea of understanding how to affect change, you know, within a, within a complex system. So that's really where, you know, Unbounded and, and our team has been focusing on is how do, mm -hmm. I would say, how do we simplify innovation? in large complex organizations and that's a, that, that's no easy <laughs> no easy yeah task, but uh, that's that's kind of where we've been living at the moment would you, would you say that all companies are innovative or is it are we are we going back to that definition of what is innovation because i think uh you know you can do anything innovatively like if you if you cut cabbage in a in a in a farmer's field who's growing cabbage there's innovative ways of doing that and then there's, you know, non, non innovative ways of doing that. So does it like, do you feel that, that every company is innovative by nature? Or do you think that it's a choice that, that people have or an organization wants to become or do something innovative and they, and they consciously put an effort into that? Yeah. We've got an hour to talk about this, right? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. I think that that is such a great question, right? And it really depends on you know, some people don't want to have a definition. Some people do, but it really de depends on what your definition is. And, you know, my, my background, you know, if you didn't listen to the last shows is in, rooted in biomedical science. And ever since I entered into the business world, that's the lens that I came with. So when I'm thinking about innovation, I'm thinking about it biologically in terms of, you know, we're wired to want to improve what we do, right? Our brain takes up so much energy when we're thinking. And the more that, or sorry, the less that we can spend on, on thinking and making decisions, the better. That's why we love automation. That's why we love apps that can do things quicker than everything else. So, you know, this whole idea around innovation, we think, well, anything new is innovation. I, I try to step back and look at it. You know, we're wired to want to improve things. How do we, how do we support that? And that, that for me, you know, when, when you talk about, you know, is it every organization innovative? Well, yeah, I mean, 
in large organizations, we've kind of categorized innovation into three well-known buckets, right? There's, there's more models out there, but you know, core innovation, which is pretty much just improving the things that you're doing right now. And then adjacent innovation, which is trying to get into new markets and then disruptive, which is really the, the tiny piece. If you know of any of these models, I mean, 10% of your innovation within a large organization, you know, should be directed at disruptive innovation. And, and that's the funny part because we think that innovation is all disruptive, but it's not. Innovation is, like I said, innovation is allowing humans to improve what they do. We just need to categorize it. So then we say, okay, this is core innovation, right? You've, you've uh, made a improvement within your you know, software system or something like that. Yes, it's still innovation. Yes, we want to capture your, your ideas. Yes, we want to see them through to finish. But that's different to say, hey, we want to try and enter into a new market or let's do something totally disruptive. And I think that's the big confusion when we talk about innovation within the ecosystem is that we're not really clear on, on what innovation is. So we just throw everything into the bucket that, yeah, it's all, it has to be disruptive. Right. You know, we have to be disruptive and therefore... That's the only kind of definition that we have. So I throw it back to you, Al, rather than you know, me being interviewed, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. What, what do you see as your definition of, of innovation? Oh, interesting. Um, I haven't given it a ton of thought oh, because to me, like in the business that, that I'm in, it's about building software for companies. And so we look at ways of taking processes that were previously manual or somehow inventive and come up with some software that helps them do that or helps their customers do that in, in, a, in a slick way. But ultimately, I think that to me personally, innovation is, is doing something in a unique way that's, that's different than the way sorry, it's typically done. And I think, I think back to, you know, sometimes on, I don't know if it, I think it's, it's either on YouTube or Instagram or something like that. They have these sort of videos of, of, of people like in say like India or something and, and they're in a very poverty stricken area or whatever. And they've like taken like some old bicycles and they've put something together and, and made this machine that, that helps them do their job on, on the farm or, or whatever it is. I'm, I'm sure most people have seen some of these little videos and stuff and just really, really crazy, innovative ways of doing things. I remember there's one that stands out to me and they were, they were trying to load a bunch of um, uh, sacks of rice or something like that out of this warehouse and into these trucks. And they had put this, this slide from, a, from an upper window and, and the slide went all the way down through this kind of parking lot and then across and into the truck. And so there's a guy sitting in the truck and then the one guy was throwing the sacks of rice onto the set, onto the slide. And then the other guy was catching them on the other end of the truck and stacking them in the truck, right? And, and that's, it's something so simple and so small and a little bit harebrained made their job simple, right? Like, you know, the, the truck backs up to the slide and they fire, <laughs> fire all these bags of rice down and then boom, the truck drives away and the next truck pulls up. And it's just like something so simple, but you, you wouldn't, you know, if, unless you do a lot of it, you wouldn't think of doing it that way, right? And, and so to me, in any company, innovation is saying like, this is something that takes a bunch of time to do. And if we only have to do it two or three times, then no big deal. Let's just grind through it. But if it's something that we have to do kind of regularly, then how can we do this in a new way that makes it simple and takes away a lot of the pain or reduces the amount of errors or what have you? So to me personally, 
that's what innovation is. It's somebody coming up with a cool idea to do something in a better way. And, uh, you know, in, in tech and in the innovation ecosystem that we talk about, I mean, you could be innovative in any, in any area, right? If you're, you know, look at Amanda Hall and she's come up with an in, innovative way of pulling the lithium out of mines and, and stuff like that. Like somebody just had to come up with an idea and go, there's a better way of doing this. So to me, that's, that's what innovation's all about. Yeah, I loved it. You opened up a bit of a Pandora's box there on uh, yeah, the value in categorizing innovation. Like what you're explaining there was core innovation, right? And the, the idea of creating an environment to support idea flow. I said that slowly because I think it's so important, right? That, that is the whole value in my mind, you know, around embracing innovation. So, and also, you know, great question of what's the difference between invention and innovation, right? One's just adopted. Mm -hmm. So the only difference is that one, one sits on the shelf and the other one is that people are now doing it that way, which I think is a good, good way for people to think about, you know, whether their ideas are innovative. But back to your point there around, you know, the, the videos of making their work easier. If we don't support that, then we kill that, that human's, you know, motivation to want to come to work and want to improve and, and, you know, want to share more ideas. Right. And so when I said creating that flow, that, that idea flow or that environment to support idea flow, it's the organization's job to create that structure to allow for that. And I mean, that, that's where I said it opens up Pandora's box there because we have such a thriving entrepreneurship community where we encourage people to come and share their ideas and start companies based on their, their ideas. But if you step back and look at the bigger picture of all these people who are leaving these large organizations to go start their own company because they didn't feel like they could go to work and put, push that rice down the slide and make life easier, right? So the, you know, kind of comes back full circle of the value for large organizations to take innovation seriously is so important, right? And it creates that balance for employees. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why we started Unbounded Thinking was that, you know, these examples of people who come to work, share ideas, and they go nowhere or they, they get laughed at. What have you done to that employee's fulfillment factor, right? And there's a difference between, you know, coming to work to feel fulfilled because, you know, because of pay or because of work-life balance and all that, you know, kind of a triangle there of motivation. But, uh, but the reality is, you know, fulfillment comes from feeling challenged, right? And to, to lock that up and hide it away for individuals, you're not going to survive as an organization if you keep doing that. Especially, nice. I know we talk about change and, you know, it's 2023 and everything changes. You turn around once and it's changed again. But it is true, and I think the the best way for organizations to survive is creating that shared consciousness for employees to come to work and you know have that sense of idea flow of I had an idea in the shower, right? I come to work and I'm confident that it's going to go somewhere, even if it's a terrible idea, right? Okay, well you know at least they supported it and they killed it because they have something in place to say that hey. Sounded good, but didn't didn't work out too well. But that's a that's a value I think in in really taking innovation seriously as a as a company grows, right? Rather than just talking about it, it's a great double question, right? Do you innovate? And then once everybody says yes, you know, you say, how would you rate your performance? <laughs> Mini stroke, 
right. Not, not sure how to answer that is one. That, is that kind of where that term intrapreneur comes in? Is that sort of like somebody who innovates from inside of a corporation? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, uh, you know, our running joke is an entrepreneur is just an entrepreneur that <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, didn't feel as though they could be themselves. So they left and became an entre- entrepreneur, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, they're all, it's pretty much the same, same kind of thought. But I, you know, I take it one step back to that, that idea about how we're wired, right? Our kind of neuroscience there of our, our brains, this organ that are just trying to do things efficient, constantly, constantly, constantly. And, you know, so I would say that everyone's an entrepreneur, so to speak, but also, you know, you'll look at everyone's different motivation in that, you know, I might be working nine to five, Monday to Friday, but then I come home and I'm in the shed at home and I'm, this, this is where my creativity comes out, right? So you can't expect everyone to come to work and say, you know, help us be the, the future focused organization that we, that we need to be, but to at least allow for that and support that and to have that structure in place, right, is, I think is critical to, to getting through the, the days that we are experiencing now. Nice. Well, I do hear a little bit of that. I mean, uh, some companies, I think Google was, I, I don't know if they still do it, but for a while there, they had a, um, a certain point in the month you had uh, a, a week or a, or whatever it was to just kind of work on whatever you wanted to. And some of some of the really interesting Google technologies that came out of that were 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 basically just an original idea that someone did when they were messing around on that special day that they were allowed to do whatever they wanted to. And I've heard other companies, some here in Calgary, that have that sort of like a a day or an afternoon or whatever where you can list just what work on whatever you want to. And, uh, and I think that's, you know, to your point, that's what more companies should be doing, right? Like, um, you know, and I, and I've been into, to, uh, heated discussions with people on numerous occasions where we talk about this concept of people, you know, old fashioned companies with, where people have to sit at a desk for eight hours. And if they're not sitting at a desk for eight hours, they're not being productive. And yet there's, there's so many human beings out there where they cannot, it's, it's impossible to be productive eight hours straight. But you can get some, you know, double or triple productivity for two or three hours and then be completely useless for an hour and then go back to it again. Or or people who have uh, they're way more productive at like 1030 at night and and they they're just completely useless mid middle of the day. And so, you know, my argument or my my feeling on that is that people should be expected to produce things in whatever whatever capacity or time they are able to produce it in. So if I say to you, um, you know, Shannon, welcome aboard. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I need you to do this, this, and this. And I say to you, you know, when do you think you can get those done? And you tell me, oh, I think I can have you know t- at least two of them done by Friday, and then the next the next thing I can er- get done early next week, right? Should I should I then sit there and go? Hey, Shannon, you were only at your desk for two hours uh, and then you were gone for three hours and then you came back and, and now you're talking to somebody like, are you getting anything done? It, it, that shouldn't even be a question, right? Like that shouldn't, that should be completely irrelevant because did you get the two things done on Friday and did you get the other thing done early next week? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's move forward, right? Uh, let's be happy because Shannon's productive, right? Uh, and if you for if if you if you end up in a situation where you have two employees doing the exact same thing and one of them is getting four things done a week and the other person's getting one thing done a week 
well, then maybe that's something you worth looking into. Either the the one employee is wickedly like crazy productive or the other person is slacking. But if you have work that you need to be done and you have a person who's doing that work and they're doing it in a time frame that you're comfortable with, then they should just be allowed to do that work. They shouldn't be sitting at their desk for eight hours a day. Yeah, I think a lot of it came from the, you know, the Taylorism-ish kind of Henry Ford style of, of how we approach work. And COVID has allowed us to shake that up, which is, which is fun. But, you know, as with anything traditional, we need some sort of a catalyst for, for change. And we're kind of going through that now. And so we're allowed to have those. Mm-hmm. We're allowing people to have those conversations where up until COVID, it was you come to work Monday to Friday, you do what you're told. If you don't do what you're told, find another job. And so I, I love the, the situation that we're in. A lot of our work is I have a lot of conversations around, you know, traditional management theory and they were designed for a static work environments. And boy, do we not live in those anymore. We hundred percent. Yes. I mean, that's kind of our take on it is, you know, we don't live in static environments anymore. We, we need a, a new approach to think about you know, building these fluid kind of organizations. Right. And, you know, I use the analogy of traditional strategy is kind of like having a defensive team or a defensive strategy, right? That's your, your day-to-day execution productivity kind of stuff. But you know, that joke around defense wins games, but if you don't have points on the game, you're not going to win. So bringing in that offensive strategy or that offensive team to put some, some points on the board, that's how we look at innovation within, you know, organizations. It's, it's casting that net over the organization to say, how are we going to think more about the future? How are we going to prepare more for what's coming? How are we looking at our competition? How are we, you know, creating that that idea flow for uh, for people who come to work so we're not killing their motivation and they go look for other jobs. That's what innovation to me is in, in these large organizations. Nice. Well, that's really, really fascinating. <laughs> um, what, what's something that uh, unbounded thinking, like if you were to give people sort of like the Coles notes version of, of what unbound thinking, one, what unbounded thinking is and what you do, what's, what, what would be the good summary with that? Yeah, plip pla plip pla was my summary. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, the, the high level kind of you know depending on who we're talking to, right? But it, it's at it, the crux of it, it's it's improving, helping organizations improve how they innovate, right? And in a lot of, uh, I'm assuming a lot of your listeners are from the startup world and might be thinking innovation as what we do as a startup, but as we talked about at the start. As you grow, trying to affect change in these large, complex organizations, right? Think about all the cogs turning and you're trying to add in another, another cog. Uh, it becomes a totally different conversation. And, you know, I, I come from the corporate world and, you know, innovation in these large corporate environments are now becoming a, a priority and they're even becoming a core value. So CEO has said... We're making innovation a priority. It's part of our strategic, you know, goals and our strategic planning. Go. And you know, these organizations are looking around going, what do you mean go? Right? What 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 is that? What does it mean to innovate? Now we're actually being called out for for saying that word so much, right? Because they they actually need a a strategy to do that. So yeah, from our perspective, it's it's trying to simplify innovation for these organizations who are ready to 
to kind of say, you know, pull the pull the sleeves up and, and be like, all right, cool. We we really want to make the most of you know what innovation means. So how we help in those situations, I mean, we, we've developed our what we call human centered innovation management framework, and yeah, our goal is to really bring this type of thinking to the mainstream in North America. It's not here yet. Uh, you know, it's you, over in the kind of Scandinavian countries, over in Europe, it's, it's been around for a while, but uh, hasn't hit home for us here in, in North America. I say us, obviously don't have a North American accent. But <laughs> call, call Canada home now. You know what, in an interesting point with that, Al, is when you look at the trend over history of, you know, I'll take international standards as kind of a, you know, a way to explain it. But when we didn't know how to manage projects, right, we would jump onto a piece of land and we would try and build something. We would totally mess it up. We'd probably hurt a whole bunch of people and we decided, you know what, this isn't good enough. So we went and created a, you know, kind of a best practice. I don't like saying that word, but, you know, kind of a standard for how we manage projects. Same thing for when, you know, the quality side of things, right, where maybe we were letting beef sit in a warehouse for a week and a lot of people started dying, you know, boom, we created a standard for how we should manage quality. And that trend just continues through history. Even probably a recent one that a lot of us know is, is the safety, right? When we were killing a lot of people, you know, in the construction industry, no, this is not good enough. We need a standard for how we manage safety. And that's probably been in the last, you know, 30, 40 years, but I think it's relevant for a lot of people. And yeah, so my point to that is whenever there's kind of a mess of how we don't manage something properly, then the trend is to come come through and clean it up with you know, some sort of international standard. And what we're going through right now is the International Standard for Innovation Management coming out just a few years ago. So we're right on the, the cusp of you know, having a solution for how we manage innovation systematically. It's just we're right at the, the start of it. So when I talk about innovation management, kind of get a few weird looks. What are you talking about? kind of like talking about safety 40 50 years ago like what are you what are you talking about but it's coming right so our our goal is to really simplify that style of managing innovation for for these organizations who are who are really serious about taking it on nice well that sounds like a real value add for for the corporations that have become you know successful and they're looking at going to that next level and they have some obviously some money and they want to do things properly. A lot of the startup, I think, are they're still in that mentality of fail fast, fail hard, fail often uh, kind of thing where it's where it's like, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks and all that kind of thing. And then it's like when you need to spend money on standardizations and process and stuff like that. I mean, that's like they wouldn't even that's just not something they want to consider right now. So I imagine that uh, a lot of the people that you talk with, a lot of the companies that you work with are, are sort of larger companies. Is that fair? Yeah, it's a good point there. You know what, Alan, the irony is that building companies as entrepreneurs to disrupt the larger companies, you know, that, that are existing, right? But what stage of that growth cycle do we turn from we're a startup to now we're that company, right? And so when you talk about, when you ask, who are we talking to? It's, it's imperative that this thinking makes its way down into the startup mm. world. So we're learning this type of approach early on. Right, and right. So we look at it, not in terms of how big are you and you know how many employees do you have? We look at it as how does this thinking apply to 
a three-person team or a 10-person startup because I think it's all applicable. It's just a different approach, right? And that idea of being future fit, right, or building a future-focused startup is just as important as your sales, as your marketing, as your legal, because we don't think enough about you know another startup coming along and, and disrupting your startup, right? We don't talk about that enough. But like I said, to be able to ingrain this type of thinking early on in a startup, although it's a different approach, I think still has the same importance than a, than a large organization. But yeah, so I mean, we have a, we have a small team, you know, most of them. But the, you know, we have an arm that's dedicated to entrepreneurship. So being part of those programs that challenging entrepreneurs to think this way. And then, yeah, with, within our kind of corporate side, it's, it's looking at how to measure innovation first. It's kind of our first step. We have an innovation maturity assessment. And that, that's for any type of company, right? If you really want to know, you know how much effort, how much money, how much wasted energy you know, you're applying to you know, winging it with innovation, this innovation maturity assessment is a great way to kind of put a flag in the sand and say, boom, we're gonna, this is where we're starting. And then now we can take that information and, and uh, really focus on what needs focusing on. And then we take that data from that uh, maturity assessment to complete what we call a blueprint. Mm-hmm. So like an innovation ecosystem blueprint. So less about the, the larger startup ecosystem, more about turning your organization into its own ecosystem. And I kind of joked before, I'm, I'm that biology nerd growing up. So the real sense of an ecosystem you know, in terms of being that resilient, adaptable, self-sustaining system, you know, what better example is out there for an organization to copy, right? So, so we have an ecosystem innovation blueprint that we help pretty much build that catered strategy for any, any type, any size organization. It's more around the, the, the urgency to want to really take innovation seriously compared to the size and the revenue and, and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's really who we're interested in working with and, and find ourselves having those conversations with. Nice. Well, it sounds like people should, you know, in the startups, even as they're just kind of getting things off the ground, they should be having at least having a conversation with you and uh, making sure that they, they give some thought to some of those key pieces that, that are going to rear their ugly heads later on if they're, uh, if they're not uh, on top of it at the beginning. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that, Al, because I, you know, I look at the different areas of a, of a startup that lack when they start to grow, right? Especially, you know, you wanted to explore new ideas and have a fun environment, but if you want to survive, you need to understand how to run a business. Yes. Right? And that's where the, the technical side of, like I said, legal and marketing and sales and all that, we need to add in that, you know, how are you thinking about the future part in as a technical skill? And because that's that's what's going to help you survive and, and become that larger organization that you want to become. And we're hearing it, it's amazing how quickly <laughs> I'll start off with it being amazing. It's amazing how quickly Canada has kind of hit that global radar of you know successful startups with the amount of, we we're measuring by the amount of unicorns, which is a little silly in my mind. But you know, if you're growing up, say you're 10 years old and you get this growth spurt, right? And you grow two feet, it's not good for the body. And so for these small startups to go through that, you know, the it's really sexy to go from small startup to large, you know, growth as quickly as possible, but that's not great for the body, so to speak, right? How do you go from small startup to large company 
organically and it, it's mm-hmm. not it's not natural so mm-hmm. even if you are trying to become that unicorn you better be damn sure you're thinking about how to how to build for the future right all that sales training marketing training and and legal training that's only going to get you so far you need to know how you're expected to grow so that's that's the interesting part i think where when we're talking about innovation within startups it's not just your idea on a napkin it's how you're looking at your entire business and preparing for that to you to hang around for the future. Love it. Well, it definitely, uh, definitely sounds to me like a, a smart thing to do. And I think that, you know, hopefully a lot of people listening to the show are, are thinking, oh, maybe I should have a chat with Shannon and, and Tristan and see what's going on here because maybe we're not doing things right. Yeah, that'd be, that's, that's great. And we'll have links to your, to your LinkedIn and to your website and stuff like that in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. And I'll also link, as I said, to the previous episode so they can hear a little bit more about, especially with the two of you bantering off of each other, which is always entertaining. I think that's, <laughs> and of course, a link to your show, the uh, Innovation Forecasting with Unbounded Thinking podcast, which, which rocks pretty good, I got to say. Uh, <laughs> anything else you want to add before we uh, wind down this episode, Shannon? You know, I've, I've done a bunch of talking out, so I want to I want to throw it to you to finish it up. Like, what's what's your take on on the the buzz around innovation in in Alberta? You're you're closer to it than I am. So, what's what's your summary of it? You know, it's interesting you say that. At the beginning of 2022, I want to say, like maybe one of the first episodes I did was with Brad Zumwalt, who, as most people know, is one of the people who founded Rainforest Alberta, and. I was sort of suggesting to him that it felt like the innovation ecosystem on, in Alberta was on fire and that there's like all these great things happening and stuff like that. And he said, you know, it's great that you feel that way and it's great that there's publicity and, and exciting things going on. But what it comes, what ultimately comes down to is the math. So like when we're looking at uh, how many companies exist now as versus last year and how many companies are happening, you know, each, each few months, how many companies do we have that are starting up and, and sticking around and growing from one level to the next level? When you actually break it down into the math, we're still way behind, you know, Waterloo and Toronto and Vancouver. And we're actually further behind that. We're actually behind from where we should be even, even in comparison to them. And so that, that always stuck with me. And that, that always made me think, okay, it feels like things are going amazing in Alberta right now. And we're certainly, we've got a few extra unicorns that we didn't have before. We have the, the platform innovation center is, is going full speed ahead now and, and things are really happening. And there's a bunch of events and stuff. There's a lot of buzz in the community and stuff like that. It's, it's be nice to, and, and I, I didn't do that. I didn't prepare for the show at all, but it would be really interesting to take a look at you know, like, for example, Brad Zumwalt's Butterfly Project, where he lists all the, the startups and in, in all the companies, the tech companies in the ecosystem and, and how many there are, you know, in this, in this current model than there was last year. I think that would be something to, to really look at. But I, I still got to say, it feels like things are rocking. You know, we're getting Calgary Economic Development has done, you know, a really exciting video showing all the things going on. And I think there's certainly a lot of great community and a lot of really exciting things that you can visually see happening in the ecosystem. So I'd love to just say things are going well, but I believe we have still have a long way to go. And so it's going to take a lot of different things to make that happen. It's going to take more investment. It's going to take a big one that I harp about quite a bit, which is 
you know, junior high and high school students should actually have becoming an entrepreneur as equally weighted option as getting a job with somebody else, you know, and, and so there's a lot of little things that need to happen that over time, another obvious one that I, I harp on a lot is, is junior developers and junior talent, you know, people who just learn the trade are going to need to be given an opportunity to, to work in that field. And if people are constantly looking for senior resources and senior developers, then they're not going to give these juniors a chance. And then in three years time, there's not going to be any seniors. And there's all these juniors are going to go, go off and do other jobs like working in a warehouse or whatever, because they weren't able to get their career off the ground. So it's going to take a mixture of all these different things and companies saying, you know what, we're going to we're going to take a little bit of a hit now and work with some some new resources and, and have to deal with a little bit of mentorship and a little bit of growing pains. But three years from now, life's going to be a lot better. So from my perspective, I think things are going well, but we always got to, we always got to be catching up. We always got to be putting in that little extra effort to get to where we actually should be. Yeah. I, I won't take this down too much of a tangent, but love what you said. And it's, you know, I joked around the the definition of an ecosystem there, but I think of Calgary because we're both in Calgary as a big problem solving factory. And when we're looking at it as problems are good, if we face it that way with that growth mindset, all of those cool psychology words, then we're approaching it as we're all solving it together, right? That shared consciousness that I was talking about before. But that's where I think that the the, the future looks bright with it because if we're all tackling it together as a problem, then as good as we can do, mm-hmm. right? And it, we can't say it's perfect. I, I'm involved with some of the corporate, uh, you know, initiatives to uh, improve innovation in, in that space, and I think that's so crucial to uh, create that balance, right, between say corporate innovation and, and entrepreneurship innovation. Because if we don't, you know, typically organizations like to, you know, keep call it an ecosystem, right? Where we don't want to share, we want to keep it close and, and hug on to our own. IP and, and work and so forth, starting to see that open up where open innovation to these large organizations is actually becoming a thing. You know, plug to avatar innovation, plug and play. You know, there's more that I won't, I won't remember, but that's, that's what's really interesting as well with the larger community because there is a lot of buzz around the entrepreneurship side of things. But yeah, we need to expand that, that problem <laughs> and then look at it a little bit more uh, holistically. And, and just the last thing to, to wrap it up there. You know, we, we recorded one of our own podcasts yesterday and shout out to, to Tina Mathis because we talked specifically about entrepreneurial thinking and you can't just teach that. You need to kind of unlock it. And we went down to the point of, I was at the Hunter Hub. So, you know, the University of Calgary, Hunter Hub for entrepreneurial thinking this week and kind of spawned the discussion around, well, we should be teaching that or at least supporting that in high school. And then Tina took it one step further and said, well, we should be supporting that at home. So I think Tina is going to be writing a book on, uh, you know, the, the family startup. Oh, nice. <laughs> Should try and talk about entrepreneurial thinking because you, you're right, right? Like we were given that path to choose A or B, you know, and, and we don't want to restrict it to that point where you get to university, then you have to choose formal path or entrepreneurial thinking. We need to go back a few steps. So uh, yeah, I'll stop there, but really exciting. And then I love being part of this big problem solving factory that we that we call 
Calgary and Alberta at the moment. That's such a great way to put it. The Calgary or the Alberta problem solving factory. I think that's really, really exciting. Thanks so much for being here today, Shannon. And it was really fun chatting with you again. I'm sure we'll see you again in the future. And <laughs> and uh, everybody else, uh, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate your support for the show. Tune in next Tuesday at 8 a.m. when we drop another episode of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast for Rainforest Alberta. Cheers! If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. We build great custom software while bridging the gap between education and experience. New Idea Machine makes your ideas real. Visit newideamachine.com for more info. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.